Our business, as you know, is all about judgment. And a big part of that is, is judgment about people, and CEOs, and people who look after different aspects of businesses. You've got to do your own research. You've got to go below the glossy brochure. There's lots of people that say, Josh, I know you, I like you, I respect you. But are they willing to put a big check behind you, take that career risk? Because if they get it right, yeah, they get a pat on the back. If they get it wrong, they might get sacked. Can you share your tips, you know, to the listeners on how they should go about building a business? Yeah, so I think... Private markets investments are investors can find some real value. I find the best way to learn is learn from someone who's done it before and given it a go. Hi, I'm Travis Miller, host of Grow Your Wealth podcast. Thanks for joining me here today. On these podcast sessions, we're going to talk through how uh, certain investors have navigated the bumpy road of investing, whether it be through business or investments in general. Thanks for listening today. Welcome to today's episode of Grow Your Wealth. We're incredibly excited to introduce our esteemed guest, Josh Manning. Josh is not only a founder of Manning Asset Management, a boutique fund manager based in Australia, specializing in private credit, but he also boasts an impressive background in the financial sector. Josh started his journey at Macquarie Bank, then moved to Jana Investment Advisors before establishing Manning Asset Management. His vast experience extends to originating and managing intricate investment products. Stay tuned as we delve deeper into Josh's insights, experience, investment strategies that can ignite growth in your own entrepreneurial journey. Welcome, Josh, to Grow Your Podcast. Thanks for having me. Let's start at the beginning. Can you mm. give us a potted summary of who you are, what you're currently doing at Manage Asset Management? Yeah, sure. So Manage Asset Management, established in 2015. We're a specialist Australian fixed income fund. Uh, I founded the firm and I'm currently the, the portfolio manager there. Uh, we run three funds targeting diff, different risk-adjusted return profiles, all performing very strongly. And uh, yeah, really benefiting from the high RBA cash rate, which is just putting, you know, fixed income, private credit into the spotlight at the moment. But for me, it's always been a, a hugely attractive asset class, mm. which really put me on this journey. Yeah, got you. When did you, your fund launch? Uh, I started in late 2015. The, the main fund started in April 16. Gotcha. Yeah, I look at uh, Manning Asset Management and, and yourself in the industry as a, as a early, you know, first mover, effectively, you think there's a lot of funds turning up the last couple of mm. years. If you look back, if you started 2015, 16, mm. even though in investment funds management term, it's a not a long time, mm. but when you look at that private credit space, you definitely, you know, definitely know. Yeah. Mover. Yeah. No, it's, it's actually funny on that because now you say, oh, we do fixed income, private credit, and like, great asset class. Like, yeah. So obvious it's a great asset class, but in 2015, you tell people, I'm going to go start this fund. And they say like, why would you invest in that? That's yeah. a terrible asset class. So yeah, I find it, <laughs> it's we, we, really come, come of age, I guess. Yeah. For sure. And I look, we started in 2017 in, in private credit and yeah, it's similar, right? Everyone's yeah. an expert uh, these days, but yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, very good. Now, can we take a step back and walk us through your early career journey? You know, start in the early days, like did you work, <clears> you know, people talk about working in a bakery, mm. uh, Newspaper paper rounds, yeah, well, all stuff. I, I had a very prestigious start. I had a paper paper round in my local area, so gotcha. I used to get up before school and and do that. And um, 
yeah, I started very early and always sort of wanted to stand on my own two feet. Um, and yeah, then did the, the usual sort of pizza, pizza, gotcha. you know, Domino's pizza for a while and, and different things. Along you still the eat line. Domino's pizza? Uh, it, it, once you work there, you, <laughs> you turned off it a little bit. So Fair enough. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And where did it go from there? Where, well, where'd think, you go to uni? Yeah, I went to uni, Macquarie, Macquarie University, did a Bachelor of Business Administration there, yep. doing finance, business law sort of specialization. Um, really enjoyed that. I uh, had a few jobs then. Uh, but it was really when I left there, the, I, I graduated my sort of my, my real career start and I, I got a role at Macquarie Bank quite early in a division that looked after their structured products. So gotcha. these were products that were distributed to financial advisors, sort of institutions and alike that had some sort of capital preservation mechanism yeah, gotcha. in them. Um, and the structuring um, aspect to it. Um, and that's where I really think the, the sort of the, the journey of my career really started off. Gotcha. What, what year was that? Was that pre-GFC type? Yeah, that was yeah. 2006, 2005, That's I think. That's great. Yeah. Um, so quite formative years. Um, and I saw the really good time, the boom yeah. time where um, everything was going incredibly well. And, you know, we managed a team. I was promoted quite early. You know, it was in sort of five, five months, I was promoted to running the team there. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and saw, unfortunately, the aftermath of, uh, of the sort of problems that reverberated from overseas. And mm. that was, you know, it, it, listen, it was a, it was a unpleasant time because clients went through a lot of distress mm. and there was a lot of issues, but great for me in terms of a learning sure. journey around, you know, when you don't structure things properly or you don't sell things properly or portfolios aren't built properly, that, mm. that there can be quite, quite sort of serious consequences from that. Understand, yeah. The GSC was a great educational moment yeah. for people in, employed <laughs> in the industry. Yeah, very good. Um, now, can you say two or three pivotal moments that led you to where you are today? Yeah, a couple of turning points in in your life and career. So I think I think that time at Macquarie, you know, being on the phone to clients who had lost a lot of their wealth, um, and then there were some that actually did structure their portfolios right, did go into the right products and, and had that crap, capital preservation mechanism. Yep. Um, it really highlighted to me the importance of portfolio design, structuring, and, and you know, making sure it sort of fits together in a holistic way. So not just getting the product right, but making sure the underlying attributes of how a portfolio actually works fit together in a cohesive way. So. Okay. Um, that was, that was hugely informative. Um, I think the other thing was in 2015, I started investing myself in fixed income instruments. You know, we saw at that stage, the market really opening up in terms of the, the range of, um, options that you can invest in. So you yep. could invest in, started being able to invest in direct loans, things like that, that were the sole domain of large institutions mm, sure. became, available to, to the wider population. And I just looked at that and I started investing. I thought, wow, this is, this is a great asset. This is, I really enjoy this. I've got my structuring background. You know, I've learned so much at the big end of town for Jana and Macquarie. I can bring all that expertise into mm. this asset class where there's not a lot of managers or hardly any managers doing this and do that in a pure play funds management boutique model where we're not, um, and not sort of impacted by, you know, the sort of the, 
bureaucratic structures and the, the complexity of large organizations, mm. we can just be a, a pure play fund that, 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 that extracts the most out of this asset class. Gotcha. And what gave you the courage to make the jump from yeah, uh, well, big industry to being an entrepreneur <laughs> and setting up your own yeah. funds management business? I did, uh, I, I did two things, which was, which was really good. So the first thing I actually wrote down why I was doing it. That's pretty good. Yeah. And there was only three or four points there, but it just, one, it helped me understand, like, am I doing it for the right reasons? Like you should never, I don't think you should ever go into business because you want to be well known or wealthy yeah. or anything like that. There needs to be something a bit more behind it. Um, and it also just sort of got me through those times where things were taking longer and were mm. harder. You could really reflect on, hang on, why am I doing this? And, and that gave me a lot of sort of strength. Um, the other thing is I just spoke to a lot of people that I really respected and there was two, definitely two camps. One yeah. camp was don't no. throw all this away. You're yeah. on such a good path. You know, the other camp were, you know, if you have a great opportunity and you're saying that this is a sort of in your DNA a little bit, then, you know, life doesn't always give you these open doors. And sometimes you just need to walk through it, even though there is a, a degree of risk there, a personal career risk, personal risk, I guess. Yep. Yeah. That's great. I mean, in some respects, you don't want to look back and say, I wish I had, you've stepped yeah. out and had a go yeah. and the business from, I can see looking from the outside is growing really well. So yeah. Which is, which, is, which is credit to you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and okay, what are the top three people who have influenced you the most and why? Yeah, so um, I, I, I'm really lucky. You know, my dad's he started, a, he's a, he, he immigrated to Australia. He started an IT company that was very successful, sold to a multinational sort of later in his life. Um, so I had that sort of entrepreneurial sort of side um, and, and, and could see, you know, one, how tough it is, but also just some of the, you know, ways you got to think about, um, different aspects. Yep. And then the second is my mom's a psychologist. <laughs> so she, she's sort of very, uh, been very influential in helping me understand people. And I think people is yeah, for sure. probably the biggest, the, the biggest area of growth and, and our success has been based on, on those softer skills and understanding people. So that's been, they've both been hugely influential. Uh, I've had lots of great leaders through my career, um, but I think the other thing is it's not a person, but I, my favorite pastime is actually like autobiographies, learning yeah, about people's sure. lives and yep. even people that, you know, are not well liked often have these incredible journeys. And yeah. I just love learning about um, people's success stories and failures. And um, yeah, I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot through them and it isn't all glory and yeah, success sure. day one. And, um, but I, 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 yeah, I, I get a huge amount of personal growth out of hearing those stories. Gotcha. Hey, if you're enjoying this, please subscribe on whatever platform you're using. It helps us build a community. We want to educate investors and this is what it's all about. Yeah. I just finished reading uh, Winston Churchill's uh, oh, biography. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a favorite? Um, or just general. I, I think Kerry Packer's really? got an amazing story. I just love that he was the, you know, he was the, you know, Clyde was the golden child. He was going to be the, mm. the heir and Kerry was, you know, cast off to the side a little bit. His father didn't see him at boarding school and, you know, he was just told come in at grassroots and the printing presses, worked on the printing floor. Mm. And worked his way the whole way up. And then Clyde decided, hey, this isn't for me. And Carrie was, was, was there. And, you know, he, he was, 
um, he didn't have it easy, you know, and he, he fought away and he, he really um, made a huge success of himself. So I, I love that story. It's like that perseverance that, you know, I'm just going to make this happen for me, even if the, the powers that be, which was his father, was saying, no, you're not, you're not the chosen one. So I think that's an amazing story. Like I just finished watching the Bernie Eccleston story. Yeah, yeah. Like that's amazing in, in many ways. So yeah, there's lots of, lots of great things. And I think it's just picking, you know, a couple of lessons out of each person's life and, and sort of trying to incorporate that into your own. Yeah, it sounds brilliant. So you didn't have to look far for your mentors, mum and dad. Mum and dad, yeah. So interesting you mentioned about your, your mother as a psychologist. It's like the industry you're in, you're a fund manager mm. and your investors are your clients, right? You got the mm. customers. So if you're not, mm. if you don't have that skill set to mm. manage relationships and build a rapport, you don't have a business, mm. right? You can be mm. a great fund manager if you're not good with customers and you, exactly. you don't have a business. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 and our business, as you know, is all about judgment. Mm. And a big part of that is, is judgment about people and, and CEOs and, and people who look after different a aspects of businesses. And I think having insight into them and understanding them, what makes them tick is, is crucial. And we don't make decisions based on that, but that's a, that's an important part of the overall picture in terms of, are we comfortable or not? Yeah. Sounds good. Some of these questions that overlap a little bit. So yeah, just no dig problems. a little bit deeper. Yeah, but between Jana, Macquarie, and now Manning Asset Management, you've had a varied career. Yeah. What was the biggest shift you made in your career that led you where you are today? Yeah. So I guess it would be, you know, when I was growing up, I always had little entrepreneurial businesses on the side and listen, some of them probably aren't that uh that prestigious, but I mm. loved I loved sort of creating value and doing little side hustles and things like that in my school years. Gotcha. Um, but definitely the biggest, the biggest shift would be going out on my own. Yeah, I mean, I'd sure. always been in corporate. I've always had a steady paycheck, yeah. a team, uh, you know, um, and to sell up, sell, sell, sell assets, put your money on the table and mm. say, well, you know, this is, this is what I'm willing to put behind it to make it work. Yeah. Um, and then I also, for the first, first period of time, I managed my own money. So yeah. I was, I was fully in both in the equity and, and also mm. in the portfolio. Um, so that was a huge shift and yeah, it took some acclimatization. That, that's for yeah. sure. That's the alignment of interest though. Your yeah. investors looking for, yeah. they're going to, they want to know, have you got your money in there? Yeah. Yeah. So they can come along beside you. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, now bumps along the road, you know, what's worked and what hasn't. And what has been the learnings from it? Yeah. You know, it's important in the industry. You always take hits. You need to be resilient. Mm. If you've got a few examples, it'd be good to, good to hear about. Yeah. It. So what's worked, like the funds have worked fantastically. They've been hugely successful, um, both in terms of, you know, investor appetite, but also performance delivered to them, um, being sort of true to label, delivering what's on the tin. Uh, what hasn't worked? I think I, when I came out, I thought, you know, if, tra if you're my customer, if I can deliver you a great product that is just far superior than other things in the market, you will buy it. Mm. And, and, and that's the, the, the number one objective. Um, and that has never changed. But what I didn't appreciate was that, you know, selling to institutions, there is career risk. You know, that, mm. is, a, that is a challenge because... Yes, there's lots of people that say, Josh, I know you, I like you, I respect you, but are they willing to, you know, put a big check behind you, mm. take that career risk? Because if they get it right, 
yeah, they get a pat on the back. They get it wrong, they might get sacked. So, mm. you know, there's not a – the risk-return payoff for an individual in an institution is not skewed in your favour. Um, the other thing I, I probably didn't appreciate is just bandwidth, you know, trying to yeah. get people's airtime to – to educate them on the asset class, educate them on the fund, why we're different. Mm. That that was definitely challenging. So I, I learned that probably those that have those two issues the most, being typically larger organizations, they are not going to be early adopters. They're not going to be the ones sure. that back. Yeah, I agree. And I thought, I was probably a little bit naive thinking, no, but it, surely the investment merit will win out. Yeah. They'll just see, they'll see what I can see. So that just made me more work with who are the early adopters and their sure. high net worth, sophisticated investors that could could get behind it. I guess the other thing that, you know, what hasn't worked or worked, I mean, the one thing we didn't do, whether it was opportunity, whether it was conscious mm. decision, probably a mixture of the two, was we never got a corporate backer that took a big slice of the business and distributed the product. Now, we could be a lot bigger if we had have done that but we also won't be completely, you know, all we need to worry about is delivering for investors yeah, right now. We don't have any other corporate objections, objectives, sorry. So we're unfettered in that, that pursuit. Um, so it brings complexity, but then, you know, financially, maybe it would have been better. I guess for me though, like it's, this isn't about a financial objective for us. This is about, you know, playing a role in mm. finance and delivering value. So I think net net. I'm glad we haven't, yeah. but you never know what you, <laughs> yeah, where, where you could have been. I guess. You never know. It might be coming. It could be coming. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You never know, right? You never know. You never, you never shut your mind off to, um, where, yeah. what else is out there. It's interesting you talk about the the client base you targeted. You know, when you're building a business and you bring someone for a meeting and they say, look. Happy to meet you, but it'll be in three months' time. Yeah. It's about that point you say, that, that's not my client. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of the wrong type exactly. of client, I want somebody who can meet me. Yeah. You know, two weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's pretty, it's smart, right? Yeah. Sort of, and I'm sure those people that weren't clients in your early days, they're probably clients now. Yeah. So you just got to target the client that's ready for you at mm. your time of your business mm. development. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Now we'll pivot to Manning Asset Management. Yeah. Your business uh, that you built from the ground up. Where did the idea come from? And what do you do differently and why do you do it that way? Well, the idea came from was one, I was investing in these instruments and these assets and I'm like, this is, this is equity like return with mm. capital stability. Like this is, this is just the best asset mm. I've, I've seen, you know? So I got really excited about that and I saw a lot of ability to add value and, and that's what made me excited about investing was, Hey, I can really add value to end investors through what I know and how we invest. Um, the other side of it was, you know, Jana, we a couple hundred billion dollars under advice, um, advise the biggest institute, many of the biggest institutions in Australia. In their portfolios, I saw a real need for this type of asset mm. class as well. So I just thought there's this great opportunity and this great asset class. They just need somebody to, bring it in a, in a, in a funds management type, um, context and, and deliver it to them. So that really got me started down that, that journey. Yeah. It makes sense. I mean, the, that's the thing in our market, the big institutions can get great access, but the investors, you know, high net worth family offices that you talk about, it's always been hard for them. Mm. So they need and to, financial they need advisors as well. Like yeah. sometimes when, by the time they're getting a product is 
so much that's been structured out of it. I also think a lot of listed market products have been optimized mm. by investment banks and deal structures sure. and, you know, they're just taking all the return out. Yes, they add some sophistication, but, you know, by the time, time high net worths get it and that yeah. is, there's not a lot left in terms of upside. Hey guys, I hope you're enjoying this episode. If you want to learn more about alternative assets, there's a book here you can read, How You Grow Your Wealth with Alternative Assets. Now back to the episode. Yeah, I mean, that, that's what I'm liking about the industry in private markets these days is, you know, the average investor now has a pathway to get access and your yeah. fund's a perfect, perfect mm. example. Uh, now, what problem are you solving? You've answered this to a degree. Yeah. Uh, well, it's access, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, giving investors um, a an investment option which can deliver, as I say, equity-like returns with capital stability that's managed by our highly specialized teams. So the team that actually manages it has individually decades of experience doing this exact thing. So we picked what I think are the best people out of the big banks. So we picked the, you know, the CEO of Royal Bank of Scotland, who was a very big structure and issue in the Australian market, picked the head of debt, the ex-head of debt, debt finance from Macquarie Bank. He's on the investment committee, one of the top credit people from Bendigo and Adelaide Bank, who is a very right. large participant. So there's a huge amount of longitudinal experience uh, and sophistication. So we can essentially pick up everything that the big institutions do, learn, understand, and 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 apply that in a in a tailored fund. Um, so yeah, so I think there's a huge uplift in terms of the investment merit. And then in terms of specialization, we really, you know, across, across credit in Australia, you see like leverage finance buyouts, yep. you see listed market bonds, you see securitization, asset-backed securities. Um, so there's a range of different areas. We really specialize in the asset-backed security space. We just think, you know, if you look back through the decades, that has been the one asset class where covenants, protections have been quite consistent through time. There hasn't been really covenant light in the good times um, that has led to problems in the downtimes um, and just is a far more resilient part of the market. So we, for, for our investors who want capital stability in a through the, the, through the market fund, with a high level of return, that is just, that is the perfect asset in our view. So we're, we're very deep specialists in that area and we're not trying to sort of do everything to everyone. Like that we got three funds, all of them focus on that. That's all we do. And we think we can deliver, you know, a superior outcome through gotcha. that. Totally agree with you there on the asset backed investing. Yeah. yeah. So very aligned on the thoughts on that one. Yeah. Uh, and I liked hearing earlier the alignment of interest. When you first started, a lot of your own capital was in the fund. Mm. So this question is, where did your first capital come from? Yeah, Obviously, yeah. came from you. Came from but, me. You know, who was next, and who supported you along the way? Yeah, so it's the typical sort of route of my money. Um, we then had some friends and family. Um, um, so I thought it was actually quite interesting. As my current wife, she we were actually just friends at that stage was people like her that who said, you know, out of everyone that I trust, you're up there. I'm happy to back you. So that was, that was great. That only obviously gets you so far from a, 
funds under management perspective. She might've thought it improved the marriage prospects as well. (laughs) (laughs) Potentially. Yeah. She didn't need to worry about that, but, uh, uh, so that, that, that got us so far. And then the other, um, part was I did have the opportunity to speak to some, um, professional fund managers. And I, I just told them like, this is what we do. This is, and this is how we invest. And, you know, a couple of them turned around and said, this is, this is great. And one, mm. um, like quadrupled the size of the fund oh. in his first application. Yeah. Great. So he obviously thought, hang on, there's something, there's something here. And that just sort of got the ball rolling, I guess. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there's obviously a huge mix of investors from, high net worth individuals right up to charities, ASX listed companies and the like who invest in the fund. Yeah. It's good to hear, right? When you're starting off as an entrepreneur, building, building your own funds management business, the friends that pop out of the woodwork yeah. to help you out and, you know, get that kick along in your first yeah, year. So absolutely. Well, like people, you know, I think the big thing for me, like it was just surrounding myself with great people. Mm. Like that was just the absolute key, whether they're clients, whether they're sort of advisors, people on the investment committee and the like. Yeah. Just that's the number one thing. Gotcha. In your view, what is the secret to maintaining competitive advantage? Uh, I think, yeah, I think people having the best people in the business around you, that, that has to be number one. Um, I think you've got to personally stay hungry and yeah. stay focused and it's very easy to sit back and say, wow, look, look, look what we've done. You know, yeah. this is so great, but just staying humble and, and, mm. and, and pushing to, always be the leader at what you do in every aspect. Um, so I think that, I think that humility, that personal side, but yeah, absolutely just finding the best people yeah. to get around you and align incentives, you know, cut, cut them, uh, cut them equity in the business. Um, you know, do things like that, that incentivizes them to promote your best interest and your investors best interest. And I think if you can do that and not be, greedy or, um, try and be too short-sighted that, you know, things do move in the direction you want them to. Sounds good. I mean, when I think of investing, founder-led businesses is where yeah. I start, right? Yeah. So I totally, Absolutely. totally get it. Um, this can be your personal approach, but it's also professional. What is your investment approach to drive long-term wealth? Um, yeah, so I think, so from a money asset management perspective, yep. the, the number one thing is you just don't lose money. That, 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 that's the, that's what we base our whole business around, just not losing money. And if you do that, then you, you're ahead of the pack instantly. Sure. Um, I think from a broader context, how I, I invest, you know, philosophically, we sort of, I think about it in a few different ways. One is looking at every investment and thinking, how bad could it get? Like, yep. could, could I lose a hundred percent here? So yep. what, what is the downside? Second is what's the chance of that happening Yep. and what's the upside and is that, is that appropriate for that potential downside? And then just assessing that against other alternatives that you can look at. So, um, yes, you can do models, you can do all sorts of things, but sometimes they can be a bit more, they more want to tell you what you want them to say because mm. you've got a bias. I think yeah. you really need to start with, yeah, as I say, how bad could it get? How likely is this? And am I getting compensated? Yeah, it's um, key. Yeah. yeah, it's key. It's that the risk return assessment. Prefer yeah. to have a, you know, a low return for a given risk 
and you know a higher return for yeah. sort of a, a disproportionate risk absolutely so you got to assess things absolutely and you put a little bit of leverage on there you you know something where you might be able to get 50 cents back you can go just by a bit of leverage you can go to getting nothing back yeah. so like just being careful about these things yes it's lowly geared and there's all sorts of rationale around that but it does quite substantially change that 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 outlook now, can you share your tips on, you know, you've been in business since around 2015, 16, mm. so seven or eight years. Can you share your tips, you know, to the listeners on how they should go about building a business? Yeah. So I think, I think the thing for me is I found something I loved and I was really passionate about and I used to spring out of bed in the morning and I used to go home late at night because I loved what I did and I was able to find a way to do that in a way that other people found attractive and therefore willing to, to pay for it. Um, so that was the key thing, you know, just something that naturally motivates you and isn't gotcha. just attractive from a potential profit perspective. You've got to really love what you do. Um, surround yourself by great people. Um, yeah, I, I'm, Passion's a good one. Your first passion, one, right? Yeah. If you don't have passion, there's yeah. no start in the business, right? Exactly. Exactly. And go to people who are knowledgeable in the industry and ask them, what do you think? Yeah. You know, would you do this? How would you do this? I mean, when we started out, I knew quite a few things, but then there was other things like a good example is, is fees. Mm. Um, so it was, well, I know I need to charge this much to, to make it worthwhile. And that's fair from a competitor perspective, a, a value, you know, what, what value we deliver versus what we charge. But, you know, do people want that all performance fee? Yeah. Do they want that all base fee? And I went around to lots of, you know, sort of CIOs of big super funds and big, big investors. Mm. I, I respected. And I said, well, what would you, what would you want to see? What would yeah. you want to do? And the great thing is they actually basically tell you what you should do. And then it's just a matter of weighing those things up. And I think, going through that process and going and talking to people. And there was many people who I didn't even know. And I just asked them, could I have a, could I buy your coffee? Yeah. And they would say, yes. And it's, that's, that's the amazing thing. I think about Australia and this industry, mm. people are genuinely out there to help others. If you, if you approach it in the right way. Yeah, I totally agree. I think back to the early days of my business, our term sheets, I was actually getting some of my investors to look at my term sheet and helping them helping me draft them effectively mm. and they were mm. very happy to do so. So mm. you'd be amazed if you just tap your networks, mm. how valuable they can be and particularly starting a new business, how keen people are to help you because mm. they understand there's risk in starting your own business. Yeah. Yep. So I think make a very good point. Yep. Now this could be again, manning asset management, personal life. What has been your best and worst investment and what did you learn? So my best, like the funds that we've, we've done have been fantastic. That's definitely been my best investments. Um, I mean, I've done a lot of equities investments and alike. I think that's a little bit different. They've done well, but the mm. fund I think is just such a fantastic risk adjusted return. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've, 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 I've had bad investments. That's for sure. I think the way to characterize those would be where they are. Typically small investments. So I don't invest as much time as I should in doing my own research. Mm. And they're based on a recommendation from somebody else. Yeah. And it's just been, yeah, they think it's a good one. Yeah. I don't, it's only small. I won't put that much time in it. And then you don't monitor it. You don't think about it. And before you know, there's a problem yeah. and you're just, you know, lining up behind somebody else to get out. So 
Um, there's been a few of those, you know, you, you probably only need to learn that lesson a couple of times before you, uh, think twice yeah. about it. Right. Um, but I think that, that the learning is you've got to do your own research. Sure. You've got to go below the glossy brochure and either invest with people you trust, you know, like a iPartners platform, you know, you get to know that and you, you, you trust that a fund like ourselves, um, or you've got, you, you need to be, you know, going right down to the grassroots level and saying, actually, what, what is this, you know, the most basic, basic level, how does this work? Um, and that takes time and effort and some level of domain expertise, but I think unless you're willing to do that, mm. it's, it, it, you know, you're sort of just a bit of a hidden hope type strategy, which. Hey, if you're enjoying this, please leave a review. It's really important to us. We're trying to build momentum around education and better reviews. will get more people coming and listening. You mentioned earlier, just understanding that downside is the key, but you do learn tips from your mates, Mm. you know, that typically don't work. (laughs) It comes (laughs) to investing. Your mates are good for hanging out with having a beer and bouncing ideas off. But uh, if your mates aren't in the finance world, you've got the hot tip from a friend of a friend or a taxi driver. That's right. It's normally a warning sign. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now, what do you believe are the keys to success and why? Keys to success, uh, I think hard work. I think that's, that's key. Um, going into it with right motivations. Um, and what else would it be? You already had a few good ones. Yeah. Hard work, going into the right incentives. Uh, oh, the other one was, was really backing yourself. Mm. Um, that that's key. You've got to, you know, there will be rainy days. Um, you know, when you started out mm-hmm. the first six months, you probably have, you know, three rainy days and two sunny days. <laughs> and then yeah. the next six months you have two rainy days and three sunny days. And it's sort of the slowly gets a bit easier and a bit, bit better, mm. but you know, it's, it's tough, you know, yeah. it's not easy to start a business. You don't just get handed things on a plate and it's always harder than what you think. And you just need to just make sure, yeah, like go back, think about why you started it, go through your reasons that you listed down and just, just back yourself and put mm. your head down. And, you know, if it's not working, then yes, be, be realistic, but yeah, you've got to, you've got to have that self-confidence and drive. Say, it's confidence. You've got to yeah. have that confidence to keep backing yourself yeah. Yeah. when it gets tough. Yeah. And there's plenty of people who said to me, don't do it. You know, this is not, not a good idea, but you know, you've got to weigh that up and, and, and understand and, and, and assess. But if you don't wake up the next day with as much fire in the belly, mm. then you're not going to be successful in, in that chosen sort of endeavor. Totally agree. And now what legacy are you living and leaving? Big picture. Big picture. I mean, we're trying to, you know, for us, we're trying to make our clients wealthy or wealthier. That's, that's number one. That's what the business is about. Yep. Uh, for staff, it's really around providing an environment where they can, you know, um, achieve their career aspirations. So that's quite a big part for me is understanding that and providing that, that environment. Um, and then, you know, for shareholders, there's been plenty of people that have backed us and, you know, we, we do, you know, that, that is a focus to make sure that they are fairly sort of, um, you know, rewarded for, for, for backing me early on. So the legacy will really be, yeah, looking after 
clients, share, um, employees and shareholders. And then for me, yeah, I want to, you know, provide a sort of hopefully something for my children to say, you know, if I want to be successful and if I want to do what I want to do in life, then, you know, seeing, you know, my mom and dad do that as role models gives them the confidence to go on and do what they want to do in, in the world. So that, that's probably obviously the most important to me, um, providing that role model type thing for my kids. But yeah, it's, it's a few, few, few aspects to it. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. How many kids you got? Just, just the two. Yeah, how old are they? Uh, three and five. Yeah, good on you. Tough. It's tough. It's, tough it's getting easier. Yeah. Good. And what do you like doing outside of work? Um, I like, so I love, love spending time with the family. Yeah. Um, I love, you know, one of my other hobbies is, um, I love building things like carpentry, oh, like building furniture and different things. Cubby huts. Cubby houses, things like that. I also love mechanically, mechanical things. You know, I was sort of toying with the idea of being an engineer and architect early on. So, you know, pulling things apart, fixing them. Um, yeah, I just love the, I love the challenge, the mechanical challenge of that sort of stuff. So it's good to have something outside of work. Yeah. My wife doesn't like it too much cause I'm constantly outside, you know, pulling things apart and telling her I can't come inside for a couple of hours until I work it out. But as long, uh, as, you're not, not, as, long as you're not pulling the family car apart and she <laughs> and can't drive no, it. <laughs> I haven't quite endeavored on that, but, uh, no, just, uh, just smaller things, but, uh, but I love that being outside and, and my kids are starting to get to an age where they're interested in, you know, doing things with me. So it's a really rewarding time. Yeah. Very good. Okay. We're getting to the back end of the chat. Now okay. we're going to go for sort of one word, short answers yep. and a punch out eight quick questions. Okay. You've actually answered this one, but let's run it again. What was your first job? Yeah, paper run. Yep. What's a piece of advice for your younger self? Um, surround yourself with good people. What motivates you most as a person? Uh, creating value. Gotcha. What's the most important skill for building wealth and why? Number one is understand, being able to understand incentives. That is the, if there's one message everyone takes out of this, understand incentives. That's the key to this whole investing game, I think. Gotcha. What's the most important habit for building wealth and why? Most important habit would just be doing your own research and, and making your own decisions, not relying on others. Gotcha. Makes sense. What's your definition of sustainable success? How are you achieving it and how can others? Definition of sustainable success um, would be just l learning to always self-improve and, and, and advance yourself and develop yourself, I think, is the, is the key gotcha. one. Makes sense. You've actually answered part of this one. We'll dig into it again. When you're not working, how do you like to spend your time? Uh, with my kids, yep. building things outside, mountain biking, running around, you know, typical dad gotcha. type things. Perfect. What's the biggest mistake people make when it comes to building a business and why? Not appreciating how hard it will be and how long it will take. And I think because the business plan suggests it, it can happen, it will happen, it just you know, you just follow this path. Um, unfortunately, the reality is something happens, things don't work out, stuff takes longer, things are more expensive. So um, that's the biggest mistake, just not realizing how hard mm -hmm. it is. Doesn't mean the business plan won't work. Yeah. 
Yeah, you hear that all the time. Everything takes longer than yeah. what you expect. You yeah. just got to keep punching yeah. through. Really. But sometimes you're better off because of that because you do yeah, think harder sure. about it and you you are, you know, you do work harder for it and, and build something better to make it work. So not necessarily a bad thing. Totally. You know, final question, what's next? Hopefully, Travis, I'm still managing the three funds in 10, 20, 30 years time. I, like, I love what I do. It's fantastic. You know, we've got, you know, I talk, you know, we, we present to charitable clients and they tell me about, you know, your income's done this. And, you know, it's very rewarding to see that we're making, we, we, one, we're delivering real value, but also we are making a difference to our investors. And that that's, you know, that that's kind of why I started, right? Yeah. To be able to deliver value. So... Hopefully nothing. That's great. Good to hear. <laughs> I mean, it's been great from the outside watching watching your business grow. As I mentioned earlier, obviously an early mover in this private credit fixed income space. So very impressive how you've how you've built the business. So congratulations. Yeah, thanks for that. So thanks for coming in. Uh, if you're inter interested in learning more about Manning Asset Management, visit their website, manningam.com. Uh, we'll include a link in the show notes. But thanks again. Appreciate you coming in. Thanks, Travis. Cheers. Hey, if you're enjoying this, please leave a review. It's really important to us. We're trying to build momentum around education and better reviews will get more people coming and listening.